Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Feel free to text us via the Garage Door Guru text line. A couple people writing in, Wes, and 252, that they hear homerism in both of you. Of course, Wes goes Wake Forest. Of course, Fitty goes North Carolina. But what can they dispute that I said? I love to come with facts and stats. Let me know what... Tell well, them to let me know what they dispute. Well, you do come with facts and stats. Yeah. I think Fiddy was also coming with the fact that North Carolina beat Wake Forest. And but that was it. That was, Well, yeah, it seems like a pretty big poll there. No? Uh, not bit. really. <laughs> we'll get to that a little bit later on in the show. We'll talk a little bit more, and people can text us again via the Garage Door Guru text line. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Let me tell you about an awesome event happening on February 27th. Panthers legend and Fox Sports analyst Greg Olson along with Kara Olson are hosting their upcoming charity event at Stake 48 to support the Hardest Yard Initiative H-E-A-R-T Hardest Yard Initiative and the uh, Hardest Yard Ungala will take place 6pm to 9pm on Monday February 27th at Charlotte Stake 48 the guest list is star studded they'll look forward to a cocktail reception and a three course meal prepared by Stake 48 plus fine wine silent auction 100% of the donations from the event will go to the Hardest Yard program, a part of the receptions for research, which supports families of children with congenital heart disease. Who better to talk about all of that than Greg Olson himself? Greg, thank you so much for the time joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. I, I think what stands out to me, Greg, is that TJ was born in 2012. Within a couple days, he has to undergo surgery and more would come after that. But within a year, you guys had the hardest yard initiative up and running to help children with congest, uh, congenitive uh, heart disease. Excuse me. It was so quick. Greg, did you find it therapeutic to help other families dealing with this like yourself? Why was it so important to get started helping people right away? Yeah, I think you're right. I think, uh, you know, so TJ had his first surgery, as you said, in October, you know, only on, you know, he was only two days old. And then he had his next one about five months old. So come the you know that off season of that of that year, following the 2011 season, um, you know we, we kind of my wife and I we felt like we'd gotten through the hard part. He was now six seven months old or so, and we felt like you know all right, what what are we going to do now? We were kind of put into this situation, and we've had this calling where we can try to impact and improve the lives of people maybe who are going to have a son or daughter who's going to follow a very similar journey that our young son, um, you know, had been following, you know, early in his life. And that was really the inspiration behind the Hardest Yard. It started as a, as a private staff, uh, nurse staffing company where we would send private nurses into the homes of families following discharge from the hospital and, and provide all of that care in home and help ease the family's transition, you know, out of the walls of the hospital into their own home without ever having to worry about seeing any of those bills or any of those medical costs. And that was the, that was the inspiration. And, and, just this last 10 years, we're, we're coming up on our 10-year anniversary now of starting the Hardest Yard. TJ just turned 10 in October. We, you know, it, it has provided us a great, you know, as you said, kind of a little therapy. It's given us an ability to kind of connect with other families that share a similar journey, um, be able to impact their lives, and, and just get great comfort knowing that hopefully we leave this world 
better than we found it. And I feel like paying that forward to families that are going to come down the road behind us um, is what a lot of families did to assure us, you know, that our son would get the care he did. And we're very fortunate to be in a position that we can provide, you know, future families even a better experience than we had. Well, I mean, Greg, it's taken off so well. Last year's inaugural event raised over $200,000. Panthers legends like Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis, Jonathan Stewart, your former teammates, their families, they all get involved. Two years ago, I remember Frank Isola discussing the hardest yard during his FaceTime on Around the Horn. Like He dedicated that victory to this initiative. Did you ever think it could get this big? And what does that mean to you, watching something you helped start grow into something so wide and meaningful? Yeah, I'll be honest. I, I don't think I ever saw how big and just the, the reach that it would get. You know, we, and again, that it's such a testament to our supporters, this Charlotte community. You know, when we when we started it, we we held our first little golf outing, you know, May of 2013, and not really knowing what the future held, but we knew we had to get started somewhere. You know, raise that first dollar, and here we are. You know, we've raised you know, well over $6 million and, um, you know, all, you know, the vast majority of that has all stayed right here in Charlotte. And we've been able to open up clinics and we've been able to, you know, increase our, increase our footprint of services that we provide and recruit world-class talent from other cities to come build out different programs here on behalf of the Hardest Yard. So it's just, it's so rewarding. And, and, and really at the end of the day, the reality is, you know, events like our stake 48 on gala or our golf outings or 5k, just the amount of people who continue to show up and support our foundation and our efforts alongside Levine children's hospital. Um, you know, we, we never take that for granted. We're constantly reminded of just how, how much this city has done for us, you know, both on and off the field. And, this is our way of continuing to service the community and, and families that have been very good to mine. Greg, fantastic calls, man. And just turning the pace now, talking about the Carolina Panthers, in your opinion, is Steve Wilkes the candidate that best speaks to the DNA of the this Panthers organization? Yeah, you know, I, I get asked that a lot, and, and my answer is always the same. I am admitted. I've known Steve. Uh, he was on the staff when I got drafted in Chicago. He was there for two years with me with the Bears. Um, then he went out and joined Ron out with the Chargers. And then, of course, 2012 came back. And, you know, although he never actually coached me personally, I was, I was, never, in his, I was never in his meeting room. He obviously didn't play defense. We developed a really strong personal connection. You know, we, we became friends. We became, you know, to this day. So I, I'm probably the most biased guy. I, I would love to see Steve get the job. I, I believe in him. I, I believe the work he did this year was remarkable. Um, so I, I always kind of start the whole Panthers conversation just being truthful and, up and, apparent and you know, transparent with that because obviously Steve is a guy I've known for a long time and feel that. Having said that, I think the process needs to, needs to go on, right? I think in order to be confident that you get the – at the end of the day, you get the best candidate and you end up settling on the best person. I think it's just fair to everybody involved that you go through a complete and exhaustive, um, you know, hiring process. So where that shakes out, I don't know. Um, I think Steve is has the qualifications and has proven the capability as much as anybody. Um, but we all know the reality of the NFL with offensive coaches and the development of whoever this future young quarterback is. You know, that's all – that's all part of this conversation. That's not unique to Steve. That's not unique to the Carolina Panthers. That's kind of an NFL question. 
if you had to pinpoint a guy outside of him, though, would it would it be Sean Payton or or Greg? Is there are there too many bad memories with Sean Payton mm-hmm. for you to say that he would be a great choice for the Panthers? No, I I think you know, listen, if they decide to go outside of the organization and 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 whatnot, again, I hope they don't. So I'm going to just preface everything I say with that conversation. But to move just to put Steve aside for a second, you know, I I, I think anytime a coach like like Sean Payton is available, you'd be silly not to consider him. I mean, he he's an offensive guy. He's proven that he can develop and work with different types of quarterbacks. He's he's a proven winner, you know, Super Bowl, but also just a consistent winner, you know, throughout his career. And and again, just because we saw it up close and personal, listen, he he was hired at our rival to beat us. No different than every time we wanted to go out and we wanted to beat him. It, it, that, I don't take a lot of that personal, and I don't think our fans should take it personal either i think you know just because he was at our division rival i think all of a sudden if he ended up getting the job and won some games i think people would be very quick to to get over that fact so i don't think in the nfl you know nfl teams kind of hold that rivalry grudge against players and coaches like they maybe do in college um and i I just think any team would be silly to not explore the opportunity of bringing in sean payton just based on what he's done in his resume and whatever coach they get, quarterback is definitely going to be a priority. What's the best quarterback scenario for them in your view? Is there a college prospect that you've seen that you like or an NFL vet or is it Darnold being a bridge? What scenario do you think would be best for them? You know, I definitely think the conversation of Sam being a bridge is definitely real. I, I think Sam came in at the end here and, and, and played really good ball. I mean, put the team in position to, to have a chance in that Week 17 game against Tampa to have a chance to make the playoffs. And, and you know, that would have been, you know, people would have thought you were crazy if after Week 4 or 5 you would have thought that was going to be a situation the Panthers would find themselves in. So having said that, I, I think what we're seeing around the league is that the most consistent way of building your team around your quarterback is through the draft. I mean, if you look at the teams that are in the in the playoffs right now, I have to go through all of them. I, I can't think of one off the top of my head in the playoffs that wasn't drafted by the team that they're currently playing quarterback of. And there's a lot of reasons for that, right? You, you can build around them. You get the opportunity of playing a quarterback on his first contract from a cost perspective. So there's a lot to that. But I do think at some point the quarterback of the future has to be drafted here. You know, you're, you're in the top ten right now, plus you have a lot of ammunition to potentially trade up if you love – If you love either of the two top guys, Stroud or or Bryce Young, if you think those are the two guys for your future, make a move and go get them. Um, You know, you you hope that this is the last time you're drafting this high for a while. That's certainly the the objective is to not be a top 10 pick year in and you're out. So um, I I do think at the end of the day, getting a young guy in the draft is the ultimate answer. And uh, but as we know, that's that's also a crapshoot. It's Greg Olson, former Panther uh, tight end and uh, current Panther legend, also Fox Sports analyst, joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. He's talking about the hardest yard program. For more information, visit receptionsforresearch.org. And Greg, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about, you know, the Panthers players clearly want Steve Wilkes. Ultimately, David Tepper gets to do what he wants as the owner. The players have also been pretty vocal about wanting grass at Bank of America Stadium how much do the players' opinions matter to David Tepper, if not even from just an ethics standpoint, caring about it, even from a cynical angle? Because 
players talk and if Tepper doesn't carry out the players very vocal desires players could talk to other free agents and coaches how much does it matter listening to what the players want on his own roster yeah I think you know I think it's very similar to a coach I think every you know I think that the saying you know so to speak is you know all of your voices are heard obviously they're taken into account but not everyone's opinion is valued the same right not everyone's opinion is always going to be taken into account everyone I think different players are in the right to have different you know their opinions and voices heard you know and that's the case when guys advocate for who should be the next coach or something you know like with the grass situation versus turf I think you know in regards to that I think I think Tepper listens I think I think he does want to have the pulse of the locker room I do think he wants to have the pulse of of his veteran players and guys that he's learned to trust and value their opinion um but at the end of the day his job as the owner, no different than why, you know, the job of the head coach is to make decisions that they feel is in the best interest of the team. And oftentimes it could align with what the players want. And oftentimes it could conflict with what the players want. And um, I think you take it on a case by case basis. You know, you mentioned the grass thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, if I was playing, I would love the old bank of America grass. I would, I love, I thought we had the nicest, you know, natural grass field in the entire league and you go down to Miami and you go down to Florida and the grasses are great. But if I'm in Chicago, I don't want to play on grass. If I'm in Pittsburgh, I, I want to play on turf. That's, you know, that grass sucks. So like it's, I think everyone gets wrapped up in the moment. Um, I think everyone has their, their personal biases to what they want, but like anything, it's case by case basis. Your voice is heard but that doesn't mean I'm going to do what you want. <laughs> well, and Greg, I mean, when you talk, you were a leader with this team when they decided David Tepper and the Panthers decided to move on from Ron Rivera. You, you had Perry fuel for a little while, and then eventually they would continue a coaching search. You know, how much did you, along with some of the other leaders on that roster, did you feel like you guys were heard during that? And, and were you a part of the process at all when, when trying to figure out what those moves could be in the future? Yeah, no, I was not. I was not part of that process. I, you know, it was kind of. I, I was in an interesting time though back then. You know, following that 2019 season, I thought the writing was pretty much on the wall, and it was that. You know, my time here in Carolina was probably up. So, I didn't have much to do with that transition from from Ron to Matt. I was still on the team when Matt got hired, and had some really good conversations with him and, and he would lean on me, you know, in the beginning and ask me questions, just trying to get a pulse and a feel of the, of the team. But I think it was pretty clear to everyone that I was, they were probably going to move on for me. So I was not really involved in that. And fortunately in my entire playing career, I've never been through a coaching change. I, you know, everywhere I've been, I've had really good stability at the head coaching position. You know, we had, we had coordinators to come and go and whatnot, but, I uh, I was fortunate that I never had to go through any real turmoil where the team I had played on changed coaches and um, and obviously I had to be there to transition to the next one. So in that regard, I was fortunate. But that that 2019 transition into 20 was a little unique from my perspective because even though I had been here for a long time and they did value my opinion and I you know they did ask me input on different factors over those years. The coaching thing, not really, because I think everyone kind of was under the assumption that I was probably not going to be a part of that change. Greg, from your from your point of view, a lot of players got some newfound playing time under Coach Wilkes, and we saw some of the flips and in, in personnel. Who was some of the, or who was the guy that you felt made the most of their uh, newfound playing time under Coach Wilkes? 
Yeah, I think it's a good question. You know, you know, you'd have to start with with Foreman on on offense. I think, you know, when when they got rid of Christian, you know, that you know their best player on the team, it was it was kind of a weird situation. Right, they're one and five. They they trade the best player on their team, uh, a guy that they drafted and had some really good years, but you know, never unfortunately for him was never on. Other than his rookie year when we went to the playoffs, you know, that was really his only playoff experience. We never really could win around Christian and. No matter how hard he tried, and how, you know, I think back to that 2019 season, he was unbelievable. I mean, thousand thousand. So, to, the thought that by moving Christian, and, and obviously now he's done everything everyone imagined in San Francisco, you know, for for Foreman to come in and that run game and Chuba and them to 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 finally have that opportunity and and really carry the team over that winning, you know, that the the winning streak of what put them in position in the playoffs. You know, sometimes you don't know when your opportunities are going to come. Sometimes you're buried behind really good players and you just don't get your chances. But as those guys proved, you know, once when you get your shot, if you're ready, you can take advantage of it. And those are probably two guys that now their career is forever different. At least they, they're probably going to get a little bit of a longer, you know, kind of a look, uh, whether it's here or, or elsewhere, because of the time and them taking advantage once Christian left. So those are two guys off the top of my head, especially – because that run game was really the identity of of the group, um, especially once Steve took over. Well, huge thanks to Greg Olson joining Wes and Walker today discussing the upcoming charity event, the Ungala at Stake 48. It's going to happen on February 27th. Again, a star-studded guest list. It'll look forward to a cocktail reception, three-course meal, plus fine wine, a silent auction. 100% of donations from the event will go to the Hardest Yard Program, H-E-A-R-T, Hardest Yard Program. For more information, visit receptionsforresearch.org. Go there right now. Find out how you can help. Greg, it's incredible work that you and Kara are doing. We really appreciate your time here on WFNZ. I appreciate it. It was good being on with you guys. Appreciate you, and uh, thanks for spreading the word. Yeah, absolutely, Greg. Thanks again. Again, receptionsforresearch.org. That's where you can go to try to figure out how to help out and contribute already to a phenomenal cause. How about over $200,000? By the way, that's raised from this event. I mean, we're not talking about overall more there. But just with this ungala at Stake 48, it was held there last year. It's absolutely incredible. Almost a year to the day is when they held it in February 28th last year, February 27th this season. So, again, go check it out and to make sure you donate and help the cause. It's Wesson Walker. We'll be back in just a moment on WFNZ. Some stuff from Greg Olson, Panther legend, former Panther tight end, also current Fox sports analyst. He's probably the best in the game now, right? Like Tony Romo, we were just talking about him. Tony Romo is phenomenal. I think Greg Olson is right up there too. Like the former players that provide insight where Tony Romo has the whole, I'm going to predict the play before it happens thing. I think Greg Olson actually brings in an innovative approach and brings in advanced metrics to the color analyst spot, which is filled with so many old heads that don't like that, which always try to tell you to establish the run, right? Like I, it's refreshing to hear Greg Olson and Tony Romo bring in a new era of color analysts that have just come into the fold here in the last couple of years. Love what Greg Olson is doing. Yeah, his his play by play guy though is Kevin Burkhart. Oh, you're not a fan. Kevin Burkhart's awful. He's terrible. He doesn't like Fitty. Doesn't like any guys that I like. I love Kevin Burkhart. He's I mean, boring. Burkhart, but well, this is what I've always said about Fitty. 
Fiddy does not possess the ability to have some gray area take. You're either awful or you're the best thing in the world. Or you could be like you, which you're awfully good. That's a gray area take. Oh, it is. And I'm awfully good. So am I really the only opinion of yours <laughs> that's like I'm kind of in the middle? That that hurts. I'd almost <laughs> rather be the worst. <laughs> Because at least then I would know you're so wrong or but being in the gray area would feel worse to me than you just chastising me for being awful. I'll tell you the one thing I like about Greg more like Roma was very good using the telestrator and telling you what's going to happen and how and what, how, why it's happening. Yeah, I, I think Greg tells you a lot of the verbiage like he tells you this is what you know, this is called and he, he, he walks you through that. And like for me as a fan, that's a junkie him. And Romo, I know when I watch them broadcast a game, I'm going to learn something I didn't know. Well, I think Greg Olson, one thing he's got over Tony, and I don't think it's close in this, Greg Olson way more fluid. I mean, if you're just talking about being a disciplined, quote-unquote, color analyst, Tony Romo's all over the place. I think that's part of the reason why people like him is because he doesn't mm. play within the box, if you will. We go, where you Jeff. have this etiquette, right, like you, you have that, and that's fun, that's refreshing too. But I think as far as the fluidity, just hearing somebody, it's real smooth. Greg Olson, to me, by far, fits that category more than Tony does. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a Romo guy. I love him a lot, man. And I He's think uh, I think he just provides a lot of, um, you know, they really take you inside the game. Anytime you can get guys up there that can do that, man, it's always a lot of fun. And I tell you the status quo, so to speak. Yeah, right. It's really weird. You don't see a lot of former 49ers doing television. <laughs> Why They're is too that, busy Fitty? looking at their championship ring. Why is that? All from Fitty? the all from the before the Cowboys ones in the nineties. I was gonna say what? Well, yes, right. <laughs> that is called adjusting on the fly, folks. Because Fitty was about to leave himself open for checkmate, <laughs> and then he had to deliver it and say before the ninety yeah. Super Bowls that the Cowboys won. Because both of you guys are fans of very similar fan bases and the fact that your Super Bowls all came in the 90s and it's been a while since y'all have a championship. Yeah, but we've been way more relevant winning playoff games, NFC championships getting to the Super Bowl mm -hmm. while you guys have been at home. I'd rather not make the Super Bowl than make the Super Bowl and lose it. Says a loser. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was a little bit. That's a little no, not, not you've been a loser personally, but says a losing fan base. No, that's I a loser's it. mentality. When he said that, he winked at me. You didn't see it because his back was like, says a loser. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, that's what he was Look doing. Look at that loser, Dak Prescott, right there. Oh, no, Dak Prescott mm. on the television. Loser. Yeah, that game's going to be exciting. We'll talk a little bit more about it as the week <laughs> goes on. 704-570-9610. Yeah, 971 number writing in. Greg just has a natural speaking ability. Salty Pirate writing in. Greg, more of an intellectual version of Romo. That's what Salty Pirate is saying. So both are very good. And I'm happy that Greg Olson was able to join us for an excellent cause. Also talking about the Panthers. And in that interview, Wes, you asked Greg how he would feel about Sean Payton possibly being the head coach of this Panthers team. I'm going to one-up you on this. Mm -hmm. Because now not only do you have the very real possibility that Sean Payton could be the head coach, but Mike Florio, not reporting, it didn't seem like it in his Pro Football Talk article, but he just floated out the idea that it would make sense for Sean Payton, arch rival in the NFC South of the Carolina Panthers, that it would make sense for him to team up with Tom Brady, and that would be your head coach QB combo with the Carolina Panthers. Here's Dan Orlovsky of ESPN talking just yesterday, discussing the Panthers and how they're the only team that can check all of the boxes for Tom Brady roster-wise. One place checks all the criteria in my mind, Carolina. 
I think there's four things that have to happen for Tom. It needs to be a one- or two-year Super Bowl window. Has to have a top-five offensive line. I think Carolina's not they're, there, but maybe getting, getting there. there. They improved a lot. They need to have season. two perimeter players that are dudes. So they've got D.J. Morrissey. They'd have to get one. And they have to have a top-ten defense. So that, that's still – I mean, Miami doesn't have that. The Jets don't have that. Baltimore would be a complete overhaul. Washington have no clue right now. The Raiders, to your point – I think the one team that, like, if you're really being honest, checks all those boxes, you know what else maybe they have? Carolina. The NFC South. Last point important. Tom Brady would leave one team in the NFC South because the team that he's leaving was able to win the division and still be clearly the worst team in the playoffs. They got destroyed by Dallas. The only reason we gave them any shot was because Tom Brady himself, if he leaves, then you feel like it's going to be quite a while before they're able to build themselves back up. You have Mike Evans still there. You have Chris Godwin. You have some talent. Don't get me wrong. But Tom Brady, even with him on this roster, it did not go well. So he comes over to Carolina, maybe alongside Sean Payton. Wes, I got to tell you, I, I can't tell you. I, I, it's hard for me. My heart, my fandom of this Panthers team, I just can't get on board. Not with the combo. And maybe you can text us, 704-570-9610. Who would you dislike more being with the Panthers? Is it Sean Payton or is it Tom Brady? For me, it's Tom. You know, I, I grew up disliking that guy so much, and I backed off of it as I, I grew older. But mm -hmm. seeing him in a Panther uniform, it feels wrong for me. Mm -hmm. And I know this is the division rival coach in Sean Payton who has a Super Bowl over Carolina, not in the game, but got one before the Panthers were able to post a championship themselves. I'm just telling you what my feelings are. I don't know if I can make sense of it, but it would feel weirder. It's harder for me to pull for Tom Brady in a Panther uniform than it is to pull for Sean Payton on the sideline where the Carolina Panthers will be. I think the thing that would be weird to me and why I just don't see it happening, just as a kid growing up here, we just don't get those kind of athletes. I mean, we're talking about a global icon type of player that would be akin to Michael Jordan coming here and playing for the Hornets in his heyday well Tom Brady's not necessarily in his heyday but he's still like I said led the league in completions I believe they said and he still threw for a lot of yards so he can still play this game it would just be so weird for me to see him uh you know coming I guess to a market like this which Tampa in my estimation would be smaller than Charlotte as a market I would say I'd say so. I Either think that or they ran the market wherever he goes. This is true. Tampa Bay no, is, is true. Well, it would not, just seem so weird. Sports market. I mean, yeah. Charlotte's a bigger sports market. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it would just be so weird for me to to see him here. But then I also couldn't have seen him with the Buccaneers when he went there. So there's that. I'd always see guys like that with. Well, he made the Patriots brand, but just seeing him, you know, but it was still Boston, big sports town, stuff like that. Seeing him with, like, the Raiders, to me, makes the most sense. Like, a flagship franchise with one of the greatest player, the greatest player of all time. So, the Spaceman writes in, seriously, I had to pull over. 704 number wrote in, I'm 100% with Walker on this as a 15-year PSL owner and native Charlatan. 980 number said if Brady and Peyton teamed up in Carolina, it would be the ultimate deal with the devil as a Panthers fan. You're getting a lot of this. Somebody else wrote in, I would soil myself in a good way if all that happened. So that's a little bit different, very yeah. opposite end of the spectrum, but I, it would be tough for me. And I admit, I admit, logically speaking, Tom Brady coming over, depending on the contract, of course, which probably would be a lot of money, even still with him being on his way out of the NFL, quote unquote. But him alongside Sean Payton, 
it would make sense. I'd much rather have Sean Payton. If I can only get one, Mm -hmm. much rather have Sean Payton. Still get my young QB. And honestly, let me ask you this. If you get Tom Brady, does that deter you from drafting a QB in this draft, especially with that ninth overall selection? Or are you still drafting that quarterback even with Tom Brady, th- that's the one where I can get on board a little bit more. Because if you bring Tom Brady, then you're going all in. F- Fiddy's about to fight me. But it's not Sam. I mean, we can all agree Tom Brady is better than Sam Darnold. So this one I can get a lot more on board with if you just say, all right, well, I like C.J. Stroud or I like Will Levis, but we can't draft him when we go after Tom. So I, I just wonder where that ratio is of still drafting a young QB because Tom Brady is the oldest QB to do it. Or maybe you just come around to the idea that it doesn't benefit the Panthers to draft a quarterback this draft class anyway, whether it's Tom Unless Brady. it's a good one, then it benefits Sean, them a lot. Okay, and is C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young going to be there at nine? No, so that guy doesn't exist. So you could trade up for him, though. That's still a very real possibility. Carolina could trade up if they feel C.J. Stroud is the guy, and I do – Greg Olson was saying it as well. I agree. So here's my thing. If I'm going to mortgage my draft capital for the years to come, I'm not mortgaging that for C.J. Stroud. I'm mortgaging that for Sean Payton. I'm mortgaging that to get For Lamar Sean J- Payton? Yeah. How much are you trading for Sean Payton to be your head coach? I'd be willing to trade more for him than for C.J. Stroud. Oh, no. So- Sean Payton. Sean, Sean this- Payton's a proven NFL commodity. Uh, C.J. Stroud has never won a big game in college. So, Sean Payton, doing this for a head coach that also decided to leave the Saints when he didn't have his quarterback situation handled, he decided to leave then, which is totally fine. He's still a great coach, but I'm not giving up a first-round pick, certainly not what it seems like you're saying a multitude of assets to go get Sean Payton. This reminds me of the tweet that got made fun of on Twitter a few years ago when they said, would you rather have like Jason Tatum or Brad Stevens? Because Brad Stevens was considered this offensive genius. And then eventually he moves up into a front office role. Give me the potential pro bowl, all pro quarterback. If you feel that's what CJ Stroud is. Yeah. I'm with you hundred percent, man. You got to get a quarterback and it all starts and ends there. We're not telling anybody any new information. So yeah, if you're going to mortgage on something, because like I said, you can have all the draft picks that you want and they could turn out to be absolutely nothing. But if you find the guy a quarterback, then that jump starts you uh, in so many ways. And like I said, with the rookie wage scale, even if you do give up uh, a lot of draft capital, you will be able to sign a lot of guys with the quarterback salary that they'll be making for five seasons. So, Wes, is Sean Payton, the guy that there again seems to be a growing possibility of him being here in Carolina, is that the only coach that will appease Panthers fans and players if Steve Wilkes is not the hire? Or is it still Steve Wilkes against everybody, especially with the players still wanting him and him having a pretty big backing? Uh, I do think that Sean Payton is the only coach at this point. I don't know that there's anybody else that you could get to justify because most fans don't know the backgrounds in depth like we do about a lot of these coordinators, the hot guys, so to speak. And then Jim Caldwell, I think a lot of people kind of put him and Wilkes in the same box, like an older version of Steve Wilkes. So I just don't know that anybody outside of Peyton is going to move the needle to where fans can get on uh, board with that. Yeah, I, I think still it would be – it's pretty much Sean Payton. <sighs> yeah, I, th- I think it's pretty polarizing with Steve Wilkes right now, to be honest with you, too. And, and I think if you were able to get Sean Payton, then that would make a lot of sense for this team. And Tom Brady coming aboard, there's actual – there are actual reasons to not bring Tom Brady aboard, right? Like, I, I don't – I don't think there are a ton of reasons to not bring Sean Payton. You know, I mean, we can get mad at Bounty Gate. It's something deservedly so held against him in his NFL career. 
we can talk about Sean Payton not having had any success without Drew Brees. Well, you know, except for the last year he left, they were still a pretty good team without Drew Brees as that quarterback. I just can't think of something logically to say, no, we don't want Sean Payton as the head coach. Where Tom Brady, yeah, man, you can go to this past season. The guy's a statue now. I'm not trying to take anything away from his goatness, but at the same time, he's a statue. Zero mobility anymore. If the offensive line goes through any injuries, then we know that this offense and this team overall can be below 500 or around 500, which is very close to what you finished with this season anyway. And then you're still talking about a larger contract for Tom Brady outside of Sam Darnold. So if anything goes wrong, you're talking about what, one year? Are you still doing the two-year thing with Tom Brady? And then that prohibits you from drafting a QB. I think there are more logical reasons to go against Tom Brady. There are still reasons for it. But I can't find any to go against Sean Payton. I, I can't find any on that front. Yeah, and then I wanted to go back to something 50 said real quick. Because you know I do this to you, but... You do this all get, the time. I got to give 50 a little bit of smoke, too, though. Yeah, it. please do. So so this man is going to knock C.J. Stroud, which everybody that watched that game could see against Georgia that he was dominant, and he was clearly not the reason they lost the game, mm-hmm. right? But then he'll give Sam Donald credit for a win in which he throws for 120 passing yards and a touchdown. So which one is it? Um, I don't know if Fiddy's listening because he's typing, but he might yeah. be. I'm not sure. Yeah, you know, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, what's the uh, criteria I for mean, good winning, quarterback play. I, 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 yeah. I don't give a damn there that he go. made seven plays. He didn't make enough plays to win the game. There you go. Okay. The dude, the dude but 120 yards it. is enough. But, but the same he won the game. He did not win the game. <laughs> He led them down he the field to set up the, the game-winning part. field goal. After he, throwing an interception that usually the old Sam Darnold would have cracked and would have never been able to mentally recover. He's got a beard now. He's different. He was 4-2 and two as a starter. Small part. I, I mean, I don't know what to do with that take. That Sam Darnold won the game. Are you telling me Sam Darnold performed better than C.J. Stroud? That's, it, 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 nope, nope. C.J. Stroud... In that bowl game or in that playoff game against um, Georgia. against Georgia, where you eventually lose, but he goes crazy. Did he perform worse than Sam Darnold did in the last game of the season because C.J. Stroud lost? Did he win the game? Yeah. All right. There you right. go. Uh, That's all that, that, all that he matters. He could throw for 55 yards. He could throw for 55 yards, but he won the game. Answer the question. Who Winning is the only stat that nah, matters. I, I don't yeah. look. You won't answer it. Yeah. I think no, you're answering I, it. No, I did. That's all that matters. Yeah, answer it. That's the problem with all these new age people. All these people, they care about the numbers and the stats. (laughs) I don't give a crap about numbers. I care about winning. You sound insane. Right. Because I care about winning. Listen here, I know that you're a fan of lifelong losing franchises, so maybe now you're just a loser. Yeah. But I I like to win. Very Skip Bayless tactic. I'm not going to be Shannon Sharp (laughs) and take it personal. It's a very very loser tactic. You called him a loser. I'll call him a loser. Fitty, you're being a loser this segment, and that's why you're flipping us the bird. All right, we'll transition. Let's do a mailbag. You can either write in and talk about how Fitty's takes are absolutely nutso this segment, or you can ask us some questions, whatever you want, whether it be about the coaching search, whether it be about something in the personal lives just don't get too personal 704-570-9610 it's time now to go to the second 50 flash of the day some good news uh continuing to come out of buffalo damar hamlin who of course still recovering he's now been at the bills facility just about every day um you know you would imagine that his team would come out a lot more ready to play this uh, this upcoming week but i mean th- this turnaround 
Like th- this, this guy is going to get every sports, uh, you know, co- you know, courageous award and everything that the you know, the ESPYs give out next year because this guy, in less than three weeks, was in the hospital. Now, you know, fighting for his life on a daily basis, and now he's going to the facility. He's back home in Buffalo. I can't get enough of this story, and it's good to see him back in that facility, which I know uh, has to uplift his teammates as they try to compete for a championship. Well, Greg Olson talked about DeMar Hamlin on the Mac and Bone show. I think that was January 3rd that they had Greg Olson on, and he was discussing just how it hits different for football players. We have one on the show with Wes Bryant having played at Wake Forest. To see DeMar Hamlin have this type of recovery, it's remarkable to see, and it's fantastic. Even if we don't play football, we can all get on board with the development and hoping for the best news you could possibly get after what we saw with that collapse. Yeah, it was something we'd never seen before. We almost had a near death on the field. And so for this man to escape uh, that situation and to now be up and running again as healthy as he could be at this stage, it's just tremendous. All right, let's uh, hear more about Fitty's bad takes coming up next. And you can text us some questions through the mailbag, 704-570-9610. It's Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 FM. turned up today flounder just came in like the tasmanian devil spinning and spinning and wrecking everything in his path fitty of course just went on that rampage where he decided to go personal skip bayless a little bit because i pulled for the hornets i mean fitty but now he's happy now he's eating checks yeah the restaurant we turned him on to because they have some of the best wings in charlotte i see him stuffing his face with fries so now he's very very happy (laughs) with the chicken wings and the fries that were brought to him by one flounder dude i mean this will be the foundation of our radio relationship forever. Mm-hmm. It isn't the fact that you're a good host or that I'm a dynamic producer. No. I introduced you to Bossy Bulis. You did. You introduced me to Checks. Although Wes wants credit for that, yeah. like he wants credit for Sean Payton becoming the head coach, right. if that's possible. Yeah. Wes gets credit for Pinkies because we went and had a show lunch yesterday. We did. And, I mean, you ate this Nashville hot chicken sandwich like that. I mean, oh, I, you, I you didn't it? talk. You just ate. Well, you were going down memory lane and, and telling us a story that was wildly intriguing. And so yeah. I wasn't doing a whole lot of talking there. I was letting you just tell us all about the life that is one Josh Fitty Marlowe. It was pretty crazy. I mean, it was funny to hear you telling that particular story. And then Wes's facial expressions, because I was sitting right across from him. It was funny to see Wes's facial expressions every time you would say the latest punchline, which probably included about five punchlines. Right. I mean, you probably had five different points. Wait, what? That happened? Yeah. No. Yeah. A lot of that going on. All right, let's kick it to the mailbag. You can ask us any question you want. We've already had some people write in about the tirade Fitty went on. There are some people that agree. There's a couple, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to read those. AR wrote in, Fitty's takes are always ridiculously bad. 814 number said, uh, I have a question for the mailbag. What is Fitty smoking? Um, somebody else wrote in trying to look at, oh, yeah. Uh, somebody else wrote in, coming from the dude who hates Mike McCarthy for winning double-digit games. Do you still want him to fi- be fired, or do you need him to be the coach long-term now because he's winning? Talk to me Sunday at 9.30 p.m. But he won a playoff game. Okay. He'll oh. want him fired. Uh, okay, of course. Yeah, of course, that doesn't make 
accent. Um, going down, also, <laughs> Sam DeMann writes in, according to Fitty, the Cowboys kicker should get a contract extension because they won the game. Does that make sense, or does that not fit your crazy record, Buck? You know, we talked about leaving Brandon Staley on the tarmac in Jacksonville. Yeah. Um... The Cowboys should have flown Maher into the ocean and just let him figure it out. Uh huh, hundred percent. But he won the game. Yeah, but he won the game. So no, that's all Dak that Prescott won the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get it right. <laughs> Not um, honestly, I, I agree with that. All right, let's. Uh, the bagel guy wrote in. What about introducing uh, introducing you guys to a salad? Wes, you ate a salad. I, I did. I yesterday. had a salad yesterday. Which uh, also, it's it's a weird take on a salad from what I could see. Uh-huh. Wasn't it a popcorn chicken salad? Yeah, but I got grilled chicken at mine. Oh, okay. So you were. Yeah, healthy. no, I didn't get the. Yeah, I didn't get the fried. I got the. I wanted the fried, but I got the the baked chicken. You're, I mean, the well, it was like roasted. They call it grilled, but it wasn't grilled. To you're me. probably the healthiest of all three of us. Yeah, no, nah, that's no question. No question. I mean, no for sure, Fitty. It. I mean, I eat a lot of home cooked meals. Yeah. But sometimes I'll go to the Taco Bell and I'll do the it's fast food. It's not fun making good food choices. I begrudgingly ordered the salad yesterday. Uh, really? Because yes. you didn't want to. Well, the Nashville hot I chicken sandwich. I wanted a burger and waffle fries. That's what I wanted. <laughs> so you just have good self-discipline. Yeah. Yeah, that that's 100%. Um, I did have hush puppies, though. By the way, Red Zone Rick, new texter, saying well, it's like his first. Nickname. Yeah, Red Zone Rick is good. So new texter, it's his first ever text into the show is what mm. he says. It's the first one I see in this channel. He's asking why we're not talking about the possibility of Aaron Rodgers coming over to the Carolina Panthers, especially if he is not going to be with Green Bay next season. If we're going to talk about one goat and Tom Brady... Aaron Rodgers, should he be on uh, on the list of quarterbacks yeah. that could be coming in? Yeah, I had uh, I missed him like in passing when we were talking or whatever. But I said, Aaron oh, Rodgers. you want credit I for did, this? If it I did. Too. I did. I said if they get a veteran <laughs> quarterback like Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, I did say that yesterday in passing. But I mean, you know, if you guys want that loser, then take him. <laughs> Fitty, there's no way you want Aaron Rodgers. There's just no way. Now, that that's you... a guy I couldn't get behind. If I was a Panthers fan, right. I would drop him until he was gone. Uh huh. Oh, no, I, I I would love for him to be here so he could listen to me crap on him every day because I, I, it would never it would never stop. All right, Fiddy, don't go to the checks bag real quickly. I have one more question for you. This one coming in from Stanford P. He says, Fiddy, if you weren't doing this, producing for Wesson Walker, what would you be doing? Also, Fiddy, he wants to know who's your favorite listener. What <laughs> if I wasn't doing this? See, Luke Holmes has a song that even if he wasn't a country singer, he'd still be a singer. So even if I wasn't a radio producer for the Wesson Walker show, I'd still be a radio producer for some other radio station because mm-hmm. this is what I've wanted to do since I was in the sixth grade. And my favorite listener. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, I mean, there's only one answer for you, right? I think. Although, yeah, it does get hard for you. You know, I, I think it rhymes with. Brantford T, but I don't know. Okay, so you still have to figure that out. We can tell you a little after the break. What would you be doing? Would you be, I mean, are you going to go with playing in the NFL if you were doing Wesson Walker <laughs> and ACC Digital Network and all the media stuff surrounding so the So basically, if I wasn't working in sports media? Pretty much. Uh, I think I would, I've always said I would like to have been a psychologist. A psychologist. Yeah. Well, your mom also working very much in the mental health yeah. category. Even before that, I like to get into the, you know, the what, when, how, why type of deal of why people do the things that they do and do you want to be make a, decisions they make. Do you want to be? Do you want to work in philosophy? Do you want to be the Socrates? Is no, it hard time? God, no. Socrates? No. How do we make that work? I got a D in that class. The big, on, on purpose. 
are you going to get a D on purpose? That I chose not to exert much effort. Okay. I just did right. enough to pass. Right. Um, trying to look. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I would be doing. No shock to anybody. I would probably be some biologist. I would be working with animals somehow. Maybe m- more more than just a zookeeper because I'm the lazy guy. It's not like I want to clean up after the animals, even right, though I absolutely right. will. But I would be somewhere in the field I mean, doing some animal Netflix research. Show. Yes, I would. I would absolutely get I would be the next Jeff Corwin, yeah. Steve Irwin, RIP. I'd be the next one of those. Yeah. Can you read uh, Stanford P's follow-up text? Can I? I don't know. Every We're, we're getting more text in. Um, at what age did you have to start having custom pants made for you because my ass is so lanky? That's what Stanford did. <laughs> custom pants. I mean, ever since I had to wear suits. Yes, now I have to get it. It's the custom pants. It's the Really, it's the jackets that are more custom made because I can go. I'm 36, 36 in pants right now. Really? So the jacket, it's... That has to be all sorts of maneuvered XL, make sure I bring in the waist a little bit. Have mm. you ever had an experience similar to Chandler Bain when he goes to get tailored for a suit? No, I have not. Not in prison. Not the way they tailor people in prison, <laughs> mind you. No, I would not. 704 number said Fitty's favorite listener is his stuffed Ramsey. Uh, that could be true. This is the other thing, too. You wouldn't answer who your favorite listener is. And I thought NASCAR Brad might write in. I mean, what you said does not rhyme with NASCAR Brad. Someone you've spent some time with outside of talking with him on these airwaves. I don't know, man. Like, I would feel some type of way if, I'm, if I was NASCAR Brad. Look, NASCAR Brad might not be the number one listener, but he is one of my closest friends in this whole entire world. I think that carries more value. Mm-hmm. He's also a valued member and listener, not just to the Wesson Walker Show, but to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ as a whole. Here's a question from Brian for you, Wes. How confident are you that the 49ers will win the Super Bowl? And if so, would you be willing to make a bet with Brian? He'll text the bet if you're down. No, I'm not. I mean, we're talking money. Well, I'm not doing all that, but I am very confident that the 49ers will win. But I hate that when you get confident by some people, like, we'll bet it then, we'll bet. No, I don't need to do all that. I can remain confident in what I feel like. The only bet that I have is with Fonda. It's, 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 <laughs> What is the bet there? Oh, it's the bet that we talked about yeah. already. Yeah. Well, I mean, if Brian, how about this? If Brian texts in what he wants to bet, would mm-hmm. you consider it? Yeah, if it's, I consider If it's feasible? It. All right, Brian, text in. We'll talk. We'll, we'll see if Wes is down for that type of bet, and then we'll figure out if we can have that along with uh, Fonda, as Wes said. But I'm going to call her Miss Bryant because I'm respectful. That's right. That's exactly what okay. I'll do. All right. It's Wes and Walker Sports <laughs> Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. One more full hour to go coming up next on Wes and Walker right before the Kyle Bailey Show.